Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Trust of Humans, written by Draca Greece. The captain turned slowly, facing the expedition team without any obvious expression. He breathed deeply, a slight whistling coming from his widely open nostril slits. A clear sign of his frustration, despite the stoic lack of emotion on his face. Still, the expedition team waited for him to speak first, knowing that they had made a grave error, but not yet clear on just what that error might have been. Please tell me exactly where, Captain Troker began, his voice overlaid with a resonant thrum of fury coming from his lower syrinx. Ah, the humans, the rest of the scouting team, why have you returned alone? Trith and Nara, the two Lapland scouts, had returned to the ship mere minutes ago shot an uncomfortable glance between them. Drith, the elder of the siblings, answered hesitantly, we, we, Well, we, we left them behind. Things were getting bad down there, and there was some kind of bioform that was harassing us, flying down with clawing at us. We, we figured... She drifted off, apparently unable to finish speaking, when the captain's ridges fled again, a nearly inaudible hum emanating into the room. When she didn't continue, the captain prompted them. What? What did you figure? Why are you here with the land crawler without the expensive and mission-critical companions? Nara answered now, picking up with Trith left off. We, uh, we figured it'll leave us alone, um, the flying creature. You know, if, if we left something else to chase. His voice was rushed, high-pitched, with his shell ridges clicking together quietly, slightly, like an unconscious signal of submission preserved for some vestigial past. When Nara again spoke, she too clicked unconsciously, the speed of the sound seeming to counterpoint to a low, angry humming coming from the captain's throat. The creature kept coming and coming. It, it didn't want to kill anyone, but the humans were just so slow. They were staring into the sky instead of running, and once we got to the crawler, we figured uh, better to be safe and save our shells than wait for a couple thin shell primitives to risk getting injured. Her voice went up when she insulted the humans, her obvious displeasure at having been forced to cooperate with outsiders, obvious, even as she tried to justify herself before the captain. Thin-shelled primitives. Droker jerked forward, causing a louder hum to escape as the air rushed through his second throat. You're calling them cowards when you leave them behind. The first predator you confront and you abandon them on a mission to capture samples of local fauna. Are you... He leaned back as if trying to calm himself, collecting his words... Do you even understand why we brought the humans in the first place? Nara and Trith both started to answer, but were cut off with a slap of the captain's talons on the floor. The talons screeching on the metal floor and piercing their ears. No! No! No excuses. I don't care what you think. I don't. I have no words. I mean, you abandoned them. Trith 
timidly step forward. The involuntary flea clicks of her own shell reaches slowly as she tried to calm herself and explained, I'm sorry, we're, we're sorry, we, maybe, maybe they're still alive, we can take a team, get a larger team and go out there and maybe... She trailed off, seeing the nostril slits flaring wider and wider. His humming continued to fill the room with deeper and angrier tones. We can capture the samples without them. We'll have them back. Maybe we'll still have at least one of the humans before. The captain clanged his tannin to the floor once more, cutting her off as he finally stood, looming half a meter over the younger crew members. They're not dead, you idiots. That's not the situation you stuck your claws in here. You think a human comes to this planet, sees an angry creature, and just gives up and goes home? Dear God, you said it yourself. They were staring up at the sky. They weren't following you. They weren't even running. And you decided that that meant it was time to flee. He snorted in disgust, a gesture made all the more impressive by the multiple dilated nostril slits. I bet your eyes they'll have netted by the time we find them, if they haven't decided to abandon the mission out of spite. Trith, who had stepped back when the captain stood up, now stepped further away, pulling Nara along with Forklaw on his arm. Another stretched in front of her wardingly. I'm... then it's fine. We'll go back. We'll get them. It's just a misunderstanding. The captain better back. It's too late. You crack back buffoons. We can't keep this expedition going without at least a few specialist humans on a planet like this. We need persistence hunters. We need trackers. We need someone who can capture predators without becoming food themselves and without having to kill the creature either. We needed them. We needed someone who specializes in dangerous creatures, not two idiots who specialize in ruining the whole goddamn mission. He turned back, stomping his feet loudly enough for each step to screech terribly against the metal. Seemingly unable to stop herself, Drith asked, sounding confused, but you just said that they'll still be alive out there, so we can go back and then get a mission will. She trailed off. Uncertain what else to say in response to the captain's obvious fury at them. The captain turned only his head to face them, the shell on his back creaking as he twisted to glare at the young crewman. And we will. We'll go get them and hope that they captured something to justify the cost of lugging a whole crew out into the black end of nowhere. But the mission is over. We can't keep going with them. We've lost the only thing that matters when it comes to humans. Trust. You two broke all three rules you absolutely cannot break when it comes to working with humans. He turned back to them, gun completely, his foreclaw extended, extending his outer as he counted off the first of the established. Three truths of human behavior, every crew knew, as a result of what species would call common sense, and what the Lalpans had learned through painful experience of generations of human-Lalpan interaction. One... A human can be relied upon to treat you with the same treatment that you show it, its packmates and its domesticated animals, magnified tenfold with dealing with their young and their pets. This is true of both positive and negative interactions. Do not give them a reason to be unpleasant. He put up the second claw and spoke over Nara's half-stunted attempt to interpret what he continued. Two, a human cannot be forced into action. They must choose to help you out of loyalty and a sense of obligation. They will give you loyalty and service if your cause only so long as you show them respect. 
and here he loomed forward, thrusting a third claw out, jabbing and menacing into the sibling's face. And three, human's trust is gained quickly, maintained easily, and lost forever, if it is never truly given twice. He slowly curled his claws back down and lowered his arm to his side. You abandoned them. You left them with only the vehicle that they could use to reach the ship. You did so, not out of necessity, but knowing full well that you were abandoning them. You showed them no loyalty, no reverence, no camaraderie, and you will have lost their trust. A single action to prove that we are not loyal, that we care nothing for their well-being, and we will have almost certainly lost their trust. As such, why would we expect them to be worthy of trust in return? He leaned to the side, turning to call into the hallway where the lieutenant stood patiently waiting for the captain's orders after the dressing down of the failed expedition team. Now get me down on that surface, personally. I want a full insertion team out there so we can get them quickly. If we have any hope that they'll even agree to keep working with us, we need to get them back and dump these crack-backed idiots off ship so the humans can see it, quick as we can manage. Before he left the chambers, he turned back to the young siblings with a look of less fury than pity, as if he was still angry, but knew too well they would lose out heavily on this expedition. You're not to leave this room, of course. You won't be harmed, but we will need you to determine how to handle the team that managed to do nothing but waste our time and resources. As if speaking to himself, he quietly added, and maybe the harmed issue will depend on how angry the humans are when we retrieve them. End of story. Story number two. Momentum, written by Morbanth. The human ship tender, down with this sort of thing, looked like a cross between a brick and a truck. The ship that it was tending, on the other hand, was a simple arrowhead-shaped wedge and looked about as solid as a neutron star. When the humans had said that they'd send help, group leader Fallon had hoped for more than one warship. He'd heard rumors, though, so deferred judgment for now. The human captain had shuttled over and requested that he could stay aboard for the duration of the battle. An odd request, but one Fallon had granted. How many guns does she have? He asked, waving a talon at the warship. No guns, sir, Captain Hoffman told him. Guns are structural weaknesses. Engines? Gravimetrics, sir. Awfully low acceleration on those, no? Asked Fallon, who had never heard of gravity drives on a warship. Yes, sir. She'll need quite a bit of time to gather speed. It's a trade-off, but this way there are no external engines of fuel tanks, which are structural weaknesses. She needs about a day to get up to combat speed, which is why she works best with supporting a fleet, vulnerable to ambush. I see, Fallon replied. What about crew? Crew is a structural weakness. Surely it is not remote controlled. Fallon was asked horrified. No, sir, Hoffman replied. Too much interference on the battlefield. We use digital intelligence. And AI, that's, um, that's against the law. Digitized, sir, not artificial. The pilot was biological before the procedure. Oh, all right then. Fallon said, who wasn't sure that was entirely all right. Didn't know that that could be done. Hoffman shrugged. Sorry, sir, not a liberty to say more about that. Fallon sighed, but nodded. Need to know, and all that. What about the shields? Didn't see any generators on her, and don't tell me that those are structural weaknesses as well. 
Hoffman grinned. No, sir, shields won't work after a jump, and she'll be jumping a lot. Can't say more than that. Villain sighed again. Micro-jumps were possible, but not used in combat due to the shield-breaking effect. What kind of ship had they brought him? I do need to know about your ship's capabilities to know where best to utilize her, Captain, he told Hoffman. I wish you'd be more forthcoming. Well, sir, she does her best on her own, ahead of the pack, not in a formation. You'll see soon enough. Fine, Valon said. We will see, then. You have operational independence, just don't get in our way. You have the use for the terminal over there, Captain. Thank you, sir. She won't let you down, I promise. Hoffman said with a salute. If you say so, Valon said, returning the salute out of politeness more than faith. The human warship had started slowly accelerating almost twenty hours ago. It had gathered quite a bit of speed. Unfortunately, it seemed to be heading away from the direction that the enemy was supposed to be coming from. The tender pulled back as well, hiding behind the nearby moon. Valon looked at his watch. Two more minutes before the Kazan battle group was expected to arrive. The bastards didn't even bother masking their approach, confident in their victory. The Federation only had managed to scrounge up some system defense monitors and a few older model warships for this engagement. He hadn't wanted to say so in front of the crew, but if the humans didn't pull through, they were all dead, as were the civilians in the world behind them. Exactly on time, the enemy fleet jumped in. Contact, the senior officer reported. Six dreadnoughts, seven battleships, sixteen cruisers, forty-four destroyers. They were outnumbered six to one, but they had known this already. Tight formation, keep us in reach of others' point defense envelope. Ahead, full, Fulon ordered. Aye, sir, Helm said, acknowledging the order. He was proud of his crew, showing no hesitation whatsoever at being ordered to their deaths. They'd sell their lives dearly and make those bastards pay. Sir, Halfman called out from his terminal, permission to engage. Fulon nodded at the human. Do your worst. Oh, I intend to, sir, he said with a feral grin. Fulon had to admire the man's courage. He seemed almost happy about their impending deaths. It would be ten minutes before they were in weapons range, so he let his curiosity get the better of him and walked to Hoffman's terminal. The man was marking enemy ships with hostile on the screen, replacing them with some kind of strange disc-like icons. They then opened the channel to the tender. Mrs. Hoffman, Frisbee's marked, take off the leash. After a moment, the confirmation came back. Leash removed, sir. He opened another channel, this time to the warship. Hey, Kirby, he said as the most unwarlike voice. Who's a good girl? Boof, came the reply. See what I'm seeing, girl? He said as he transmitted the marked targets to the ship. Boof, good girl. Now, uh, kill. <laughs> the human ship, several light hours away from this point, disappeared from their senses and blinked in right in the middle of the enemy formation. It was traveling at a significant fraction of the speed of light by this point, and didn't stop when she completed her jump, plowing straight into the dreadnought in front of her, and out the other side in a torrent of plasma, debris, and kazan. Conservation of momentum could be a real bitch. She disappeared instantly and reappeared underneath the battleship, pointing upwards. She cut the thing in two without slowing down and disappeared again, this time cutting a dreadnought from bow to stern. 
only to jump from inside the enemy ship to appear behind its next victim. As the human warship systematically dismantled the enemy fleet, there was some sort of continuous communication being broadcast from her. Villain patched in. <laughs> the Kerberos barked happily. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.